0: What makes our country great is the legislative system put in place to protect our freedoms, with lawyers ensuring justice for our nation's citizens. Tune in as top legal experts come together to discuss all things law on The Legal Network. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, welcome to The Legal Network Podcast. Today I'm joined by Mark Grismala, president and attorney at Grismala Law Offices. Mark? Thanks for joining me. Hey,
1: good morning, Tony. Good to, good to see you. Happy to be here today. No,
0: likewise, likewise. Uh, it's been uh, almost uh, six days since I last yes. saw you, right? It was a fun time. Um, and yeah, getting to know you. Just uh, what a nice guy and kind of jumping into it. Um, tell us
1: exactly what type of law you practice and, and who your clients are. Sure. So our, our law firm is based in Skokie, Illinois. Um, we serve the entire state, though. We've got clients all across Illinois. Even, we even have like national, international clients, but we... Represent them with respect to issues that they have here in, in Illinois, in, in Illinois, and across the state. Um, what we do, we're a commercial litigation firm, which basically means that we help businesses with their disputes. We'll see on the collection end if they're having trouble getting paid. But our real focus is on uh, construction litigation, construction law, mm-hmm. and mechanic's liens. Um, the bulk of our client base are subcontractors, material suppliers. And they come to us when they're having issues on a project. They're not getting paid, um, there's perhaps some kind of design or defect issue, some delay issue, and you know they're looking for some resolution and some guidance. So whether it's we go through a mechanics lien process or we go through litigation, it just depends on the situation. Or sometimes we're defending a, a, a subcontractor, material supplier from a claim by uh, an owner or a general contractor. Um, we do also work with some smaller general contractors, but we have to be careful because if we represent mostly subcontractors, mm. we can't, it could be, we could conflict ourselves out pretty quickly if those general contractors hire our subcontractors. Right, we right, right. Work both ends that way. Interesting. So, but we have, had, we have had cases that we've represented multiple subcontractors in a case where everybody's on the same playing field on the, you know, they're each subcontractors of one general contractor, so. Um, a lot of contractors. A lot of contractors. <laughs> so we do a lot of that. Um, so again, the bulk of our clients are, are subcontractors and material okay. suppliers. Okay. And um, one of the tools that we use are mechanics liens. And I've been practicing law for about 21 years already, and pretty much it's what I've been doing exclusively. We 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 do some general collection work as well. But we don't go into criminal defense or divorce or anything like that. We just keep it to the business transactions. Um, I do have a pretty good network of attorneys. So if somebody does call me and it's something that we can't help them with or out of our practice area, like if they want a will or something drafted, I have a good network that can always make sure that find somebody to help them with, with that. So. Oh, um, yeah. So always, we never just tell somebody, just hang up the phone and no sorry, we can't help you. We, we do, even if we can't help them, we try to give them some guidance and put them in the right direction. And even if I don't know anybody, I'll say, well, why don't you try a Google search for this or <laughs> try the Bar Association and ask them, tell me you need this type of attorney. So so you're always helping no matter what. Just trying to help. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. Just trying to help. Um, so if, uh, you know, when it
0: comes to, I guess, the, the law that you, type, that, that you practice, did it become something that you were seeking to do, um, you know, when you were thinking about law, or is it something that you found after you decided, hey, I want to be a lawyer, right? Like, is that something that drew you to to the practice itself, or just you wanted to become a lawyer? Take me to when
1: you first uh, decided that you want to start practicing law. Well, I, I think it was in high school where I started to decide that, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of problem-solving and helping people. So I, it, that was sort of brewing during high school. So when I went to college, I went to college at University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Um, greatest school ever. Um, <laughs> hey, they're doing good in basketball, it, or football right now. They are. Yeah. And um, so I, you know, I, I majored in political science with a minor in um, real estate business or business law and real estate. So it was, uh, it, and I kind of went through that course, and then I went to law school, and I, I just realized that you know I do like to help people. I did with political science. I did actually focus on international relations and arms control, which <laughs> is kind of like a subset of. <laughs> political science, I, really, I was really fascinated by international law, and I really wanted to get into international business transactions, and even in law school, I earned a certificate. I went to law school at um, Chicago, Ken, which is part of the Illinois Institute mm-hmm. of Technology downtown, and I got a, I earned, a, I earned my certificate in um, international comparative law. Wow. But sometimes, you know, with with the legal profession, unless you've got connections and know people, it's sometimes you... End up where you end up. So, um, during my second year of law school, or first year of law school, I was fortunate enough to to work for Treasurer Maria Pappas as a clerk in her office in her law department. And it was an exciting time because she just was elected and took over office. And she was in the process of updating everything. Um, Everything was done on typewriters and these really archaic computers. We were modernizing everything and streamlining our processes, especially like, like in the legal department. And me, I'm a little. I'm, I'm pretty. T- I consider myself pretty tech savvy. So it's also an exciting time to sort of help and create whatever we need, like spreadsheets, databases to you know collect information and process letters and whatever we need to do. So it's a pretty exciting time. That's very very cool. Um, yeah. And so you've been practicing law for over 20 years. Now, yeah. 21 years.
0: Yes. Um, but. You just uh, recently, I mean, six years ago, right? It was, right. Eight yeah, well, years ago, ago 2015, right? yeah. Yeah, uh, started your own firm. So wh- what was it about you know wanting to leave kind of the, the confines of, of working for someone else and, and venture off on your own?
1: Well, you know, it, com- it came to, I got to a certain age, you know, I was about 38, 39, and it's just, it's about the time where a lot of my colleagues and other friends that are, work for law firms, they're becoming partners and getting more ownership interest and kind of moving up. From that associate position, because basically, you know, with an attorney, um, if you work for a law firm, you either have an asso- you're an associate position, or you become a partner, or shareholder, owner of the firm, and you share in the profits. Um, some of the larger firms also have what's called like a staff attorney, which doesn't really have any um, upward mobility. But aside from that, I, it came to the point where you know I wanted to become partner, and I, I worked for a great attorney. He's also I think one of the greatest construction attorneys, and he, he taught me a lot. Everything that I know. But you know, we couldn't come to terms on things, and I decided, like, okay, so am I going to rely on somebody for my future? Um, I, I had a, I had one kid, I had another child on the way, um, so it's like I can either rely on somebody or I can just kind of take charge of my own destiny and just and you know just go forward with it and just and run with it and see we'll see what happens. So I made the decision back in 2014 to say, okay, I'm think I'm going to start, you know. Doing my research and started reading different books and and um, and go ahead and start my own practice. So I thought about it and you know uh, it, it was a little intimidating. I met with other attorneys as well who are solo practitioners and to see how they got started. Um, it happened also by coincidence at our office. Um, we had an empty office space and in another and an attorney rented it who was just starting out on his own his own law firm, a couple years younger than than me. And so I got talking to him, too, and seeing how he got to build up his business, and so I kind of saw that in real time as well. and I'm thinking, okay, I think i can I can do that. Um I just remember I kept asking him like these weird questions, like his name is John, I'm like, "Hey, John, what kind of insurance do you have? You know who's your insurance carrier?" So he's like, "Why is this guy asking about my insurance carrier?" You know because I was trying to figure things out and make my business plan, and yeah. you know.
0: Now, what was the, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's inspiring. Like I was telling you earlier that, you know, be almost 40 and you're like, you have family and responsibilities right. and, and, you know, worries or whatever, but that to, 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 make that decision and to, to see the value and going off on your own is, 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 really inspiring. What, what was that, that kind of, um, I guess the thing you had to overcome the most to, to get yourself to that point where you believe in yourself or was it just like, didn't at that point, we just it outweighed, I guess, the, 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 the desire to be on your own outweighed, you know, the fear of it.
1: Well, I, like I said, I decided I just wanted to take charge of my destiny. And like, I just wanted to, if I had to go out and hit the streets and get clients, whatever I had to do, I, I would do it. Right. So my, my concern was my obstacle was that I, you know, I really didn't have like I, as, as hard as I worked in the construction, as a construction attorney in mm-hmm. that area, I did develop relationship and connections with other attorneys and, you know, clients and things, but I didn't have my own client base, right? So, so one thing, so when I was leaving, I'm like, okay, I'm, I was telling my wife, well, listen, we're just going to plan for like no income for like six months, because I'm not (laughs) sure what's going to happen. So as I started work and build the practice, but fortunately, you know, I, like I said, I made a post once I started my firm, once I opened my doors, um, quote unquote, um, I made a post on LinkedIn saying, Hey, I just started my own law firm, you know, this is what we do. And I just got an outpouring of emails and phone calls and talks of support saying, hey, if we, you know, if we need help, we'll definitely call you. Or, hey, by the way, you know, you were still working on our case at your old firm. Can you still work on it at your new firm? Yeah. Wow. So it was a lot of support. So I was pretty much off to a, to a running start. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so that was just the beginning. And then, of course, you know, you still have to keep going and w- with the marketing and, and, and getting your name out there, building up your brand. But it was a... And that's one of the things
0: that you'd mentioned, too, that you're that you're intrigued by or that you're drawn to or, or just love talking about is the marketing part of it, right? Um, what about it for you has worked so far? How have you built that? What advice would you give to, you know, young uh, attorneys who maybe want to start their own practice?
1: Good question. Uh, I think the most important thing is to have that online visibility, having a website, at least. So many attorneys don't have websites and really? some some of them just don't want to be found for some reason but that's <laughs> beside the point but wow. having a good website that doesn't have to be f- super flashy but just at least has information about you because say even i refer so, uh, you you know refer a client to an attorney i want that referral to at least check out on their website to see read about them and yeah, see what yeah. they're what they're about and if they're a good fit or not right, right so right. having a website is really important um what was good for me, actually, I figured out the SEO game pretty quickly. Oh, really? Yes. So I knew that, you know, you needed credibility and you needed to have the content on the on your website. And f- after a few months, I was already ranking on the front page of Google. Wow. Because I did what I needed to do to get, you know, I put myself in the right directories, got enough backlinks, um, put up a lot of content on my website, wrote up a lot of blogs. So when you search for like Chicago construction attorney, I'd be up there with like the other construction firms in the city so it would be that's awesome it was great so yeah and and i've kept that going so good for you organic seo has has been has been wonderful um a lot of clients find us through through that um i've never i've tried the pay-per-click advertising but it doesn't it just doesn't work
0: no anything Um, organic and then you're drawing people to and meeting them where they're at i mean that's what seo is right just meeting the keywords and when people are searching for something. Now, as far as building relationships as within, you know, the, the city and, and the community, it seems like you're very uh, active in that, too, whether that be through organizations or even like the, the, the Polish-American community here in Chicago. Right. Talk to me a little bit just about how you, you were intentional about um, building that community for yourself or being a part of it.
1: Well, being a part of it, it's it's, it's also, you know, it, 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 as an attorney, you know, people look to us as somewhat like de facto leaders sometimes, like, you know, when an attorney jo- joins an organization, they're looking for that attorney to maybe give them guidance, which which is a good thing. Was It could be a, a negative thing, too, because sometimes as an attorney, you, you don't want to be representing the organization, give them guidance. You want to be active and support the organization, but not not in that attorney role necessarily. However, yeah, I have been pretty active in different communities. Um, I've been in, I am of Polish descent, like I talked mm-hmm. before, so I'm active with the Polish-American Chamber of Commerce. I'm also a, a national director of the um, Polish-American Congress, which is an umbrella organization representing interests of Polish-Americans throughout the entire country, um, which is you know, it's just a way for me to kind of give back to the community. Um, And I'm also, um, I serve as a board member of another, of a construction organization called ASA ASA Chicago, which is the Association of Subcontractors and Affiliates, um, which is the largest um, group of commercial subcontractors in the Chicagoland area. That's very, very cool. I mean,
0: all things I didn't know about. So, and it seems like that's uh, been a huge benefit to you to be a part of those organizations.
1: It has, and not just business-wise, but also getting to learn about what's important. Like, so I learn about what's important in the Polish community, what their needs are. I learned about in construction what 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 issues other contractors are having, and what what they're doing to resolve them, or if they need a solution to to resolve those issues. So it's also there's also that educational aspect too. So there's many benefits from being active in in an organization. Absolutely,
0: and from that, you know, um, what are those things that if if you could kind of talk to those clients that come to you once there's an, an issue, right? We talked about, obviously, having you know good contracts in place. But yeah, what are those, some of those proactive measures people can take to avoid uh, some of those services
1: you provide? So again, yeah, people come to us when there's an issue for the most part, right? But in order to prevent that issue, the, the best advice is to have a good written contract. Sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes the larger general contractors will want you to use their form and there's no negotiation there. But in other instances, um, it, it's important for a con- whatever, whenever you can, it's important to have a good written agreement. doesn't have to be necessarily all in your favor as long as it's balanced too. But you looked at the contract if there's an issue. If there's a payment issue, well, then the contract should say when payment is due. So if payment is due, you have a breach. Um, if there's an issue with, well, the owner thinks the contractor should have remodeled both bathrooms, you look at the contract, well, the contract just has one bathroom, right? right. So you have some place to go to go to. Um, One of the bigger issues we have is with, uh, most often litigated issues, is change orders. Where there's, you know, you have a contract, okay great, but then later there's changes in the project. Again, you want to change the number of washrooms to remodel or you want to change it so you want to add an extension to to the structure, Um, you want to upgrade certain fixtures. And the problem is that people get kind of loose when it comes to that and they'll just exchange text messages or phone calls. Mm. But the contract will say, Well, any change orders have to be signed and in writing. And it's important that it's important that those are follow, that's followed because then if it's signed and in writing, you have exact detail of what the change is and the price you're expect to be paid for it. Mm. So that's it, it's such a simple thing, but it's it's it, it's litigated all the time. Absolutely. And what about other
0: measures that business owners can take? You know, general contractors, subcontractors, uh, suppliers that can be more of like an audit, right? Where if they can go and maybe look at what contracts they do have in place or some of those systems, where they they can prevent some of those things that I guess that they, that you're you're helping them through. But yeah, is there something that that you recommend or that you provide in terms of that audit or that like just, just to kind of evaluate where people are at? or where companies are at?
1: I mean, like I said, it's best to have somebody evaluate, even if you have a, think you have a good contract, just to have an attorney look at it. Um, there is this act called the Illinois Home Repair and Remodeling Act, and that governs all realist, all contracts on residential projects, even if the owner is an LLC, that are over $500. Okay? Mm. So basically the act itself says that the contract has to be in writing. It has to state the scope of work with detail, uh, as well as the price of each scope. It has to have a start date and at least an estimated completion date. You have to have a three-day termination provision. Um, there's insurance requirements, too, for the general contractor. And a lot of times, clients don't know that this act even exists. So what happens is it's actually a, a criminal act. Um, so what happens is that if you don't follow this act and then, say, you screw up something on a project, the homeowner, gets, and then, say, we're, the clients owed 20000 for work it didn't for work it performed, the owner will then file a counter lawsuit for fraud against our client saying, well, you didn't follow the act. You didn't have the scope of work, you didn't have the price, you didn't have a start date. Um, the act also requires that you give the homeowner a pamphlet from the Attorney General's office called Know Your Rights, which explains the rights that a homeowner or a residential project owner has against a, a contractor and on a project and what to look for in a contract. So it, then, it, then it, it makes litigation gets very messy. Mm. Um, because then we're dealing with potential fraud claims because of this act. Wow! So um, it's always good to have an attorney just do an audit of of contracts and just to make sure that you're up to up to speed. And that's um, honest. Whenever I have a a, a, a prospective client call me, even if I can't help them, if it's a contractor, I'll say, Hey, by the way, you might want to look into the Illinois Home Repair and Remodeling Act, and I will send them a link. I have a pretty good article on my website about it actually, and just to just so they're aware of it because most people don't know. And then Push comes to shove, it's being used mm-hmm. against them. Oh man, and, and it's just some of those things that if you, like,
0: it, it's always hindsight, right? Twenty twenty. Yeah, that it is. You're like, oh man, if i had just done that. Like, yeah, well, you
1: know. Here, here. I, hey, I have so many clients that come in and say, "Listen, this is the fir- I've been in business for like thirty years. This is the first time they haven't paid me, and you know, what do I do?" So it's just things happen, and, and it happens.
0: It, you can count it happening, right? Yeah. And and, and on that note, you also have. Uh, you mentioned you know that you you have an article out there, but you you do uh, provide a lot of uh, you know information through uh, articles that you write and and how can people find that
1: I mean we do have a blog on our website which is grismalolaw.com, dot com which which i do we write we write articles for we also give presentations and seminars on occasion, so we do we do offer education as well Very cool. and and what like
0: talk me about the twenty twenty three and beyond what's the vision the future the horizon uh you know showing for you and and, and uh, your attorneys and law firm I'm
1: just hoping we survive next Tuesday but um <laughs> <laughs> right so uh kidding aside I mean right now we're I'm at a we're at a good space you know we're getting we work hard for our clients um our, you know my firm's mantra is basically we want to make sure our clients have value for our services I don't want a client to pay us twenty thousand dollars to collect twenty thousand dollars that doesn't make any sense so we work hard to make sure that you know we get good results and if we if we think a case is not going the right way, we, we're upfront with our clients too. We don't try to hide things, or we, you know, we try to drag them along make, make them aware of what their options are and what you know, what what, what decisions they can they need to make. Um, as far as the future, we're we're in a good space. We have a solid client base. We're moving forward. Um, I've got two attorneys that work with me. So, um, and plus, I've got my other network too of attorneys that i find to through for cases too. So, we're in a good spot. Um, we may grow. We may add another attorney in the next year or so. But we're just right now we're in a good spot, and I've got a good work-life balance, as they say. That's so awesome. it's a, I'm in a good place. So. Life is good. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, know, yeah. and I, I appreciate you uh,
1: coming in, just sharing
0: your story, and being a part of this community, Mark. I look forward to all good things to come.
1: Sounds good. Thank you for having me, Tony. I really, really appreciate it.